Hello and welcome to Rain on Your Parade. Today I'm going to be doing things a little bit different. Um, This is the Silence of the Lambs podcast, finally. Um, But I'm sorry about the wait. And um, things have changed here at the podcast. Um, I have uh, had to uh, not have any music at the beginning. Because if I had the music at the beginning, it wouldn't let me put the episodes on Apple Podcasts. So that's why I might say there's music at the beginning, but there isn't. Um, So this, um, you know, movie is called Silence of the Lambs. Uh, It was released on February 13th in 1991. Um... It's directed by Jonathan Dem. I assume it doesn't say on here with who the writer is. I haven't looked that up. Um, but obviously, you know, it's written by Thomas Harris. I don't know if there was like a separate screenwriter or not. But anyway, today I'm going to be doing a live commentary of this instead of like watching it and taking notes. Because how I take notes is I will do a commentary and then write notes from the commentary and then expand on the notes. <laughs> the last time I did that with the movie, we all know, it came out to four different, four podcasts, long episodes, like hour-long episodes, so let's get right into it. Um, as far as what I've been watching, uh, me and my parents just finished Stranger Things for, well, they've only seen it like twice. I've seen it, I don't know how many times, I can't even, <laughs> I don't even know. But, oh, very old. Goldwyn, hear that? Let's get into it. If you want to watch along, I'm starting at the beginning and um, it froze up on me. There we go. Okay, we'll be doing this. Ready? Go. Does anybody else miss how like movies be- began back in the 90s? They always started in this mysterious way of, like, you don't know what's going on. You have to slowly figure it out. And, uh, <clears throat> Clarice here is, um, near Quatico. She's doing some training. Um, they give us a lot more information about this in the book. Um, and her past. So, um, there's a lot more information in the book than the movie. Um, you actually know exactly what's going on, exactly the stakes. She's actually still a student. She's still in the academy, so. Which the information's here. It's just, it's not as much in your face. <laughs> I'm wondering if, if uh, Jodie Foster did her own stunts for this training course. I love this elevator scene where she gets in and, like, everyone in there is taller than her because they're all men and it's like. It's just visually representing, like, she's kind of an outcast here. She's kind of, you know, not really part of the team. Um, People underestimate her and don't expect her to do well. Because she's a woman. Crawford has asked her to come and see him, obviously. He's got something um, to talk to her about. So she goes in. And... (laughs) What I did is I'm stupid as heck. I'm gonna have to pause this. We're not even done with like the credits. Jonathan Dem directed by. We're still rolling the credits, and I already have a pr- issue. Of I need to go get a different vape thing. But I'm pausing this in between all my commentary anyway, so y'all won't even notice. I'll be. Well, you won't know that I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gonna go get that though, and I'm frustrated about it. Okay, that that's. Let's start it back up. You hear the music? <laughs> She's looking at pictures of Buffalo Bills things. In the books, Jack Crawford is more of a mentor to Clarice. He actually does believe in her because she's so good at her classes and stuff. She's one of the best shooter shooters or whatever you call them, marksmen, whatever you call them. She's good at shooting. Um, there's reasons why he believes in her, but also he thinks that sending a young pretty girl in there will help um, open Lecter up. And then he calls him a monster 
because it switches over to uh, Dr. Chilton calling him a monster and he's like a pure psychopath. This is what I have a problem with. You're a bad psychologist. <laughs> he's not a pure psychologist. Like, first of all, which I know this is in 91 and it, the book was written even like before that. So even professionals didn't have didn't use different words than we use now because we don't longer there is no longer a diagnosis for a psychopath or sociopath it's you know antisocial personality disorder um what we would call what most people would call a psychopath is what would actually be a malignant narcissist um But this, he's not, he is different. I don't think he lacks empathy. I think he uh, uses it to his advantage. Um, but he doesn't, He's he is something else, you know, but there's a lot of things. Um, but it wouldn't be that hard for a professional to diagnose him with something, uh, especially because he has PTSD, but, you know, I, I'm just, the psychology of it is annoying because Chilton sucks, <laughs> and that's it. Chilton hits on her, basically asks her on a date, and she tells him her very clearly West Virginia accent that she can't. What do you mean, sir? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I can't. I'm from West Virginia. Clarice is from West Virginia. I guess back then, <clears throat> this sound, the accent she's doing right here, is her trying to cover up her accent. And I'm like, doesn't sound like she's doing a very good job. But back then, it was more of a, you know, people from West Virginia didn't cover, had stronger accents. Um, they did. Uh, because it was less, you know, diverse and, and things like that. Like, now we have more. Instead of just talking to each other, we're not as isolated anymore because of the internet. So, <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> Chilton sucks. <laughs> That's all I have to say. This whole scene. He's telling her, like, all the precautions to take, which are necessary because of Elector's intellect. It's not just that he's more dangerous than others he's very good at things like he could you know use any well we'll see later how he he ingenues himself and you know he's very intelligent is why they have to be so precautious um she tells him she doesn't want him to go in with her because Lecter doesn't like him <laughs> he he doesn't he especially doesn't like Chilton like of all the doctors on earth like He's definitely not going to talk to Chilton because he can't stand him. He can see right through him, and I don't blame him, kind of, because Chilton sucks. Um, he's pretty cool with Barney, the guard. They have a pretty good relationship. He actually, in the book, does help Barney um, with schooling. Like, Barney's in night classes, and Lecter helps him with his homework. So, they talk about, they discuss things like philosophy and, and different things like that. So, that's, you know, that's a little... But that happens in the book. I'm not sure if they tell that in Sons of the Lambs or if they talk about it in Hannibal, but it's definitely in one of the books. Um, so he likes Barney. Uh, he's good at reading people, whether they're a good person or not. Um, yeah. And this is where Clarice goes in, and then Migs does that gross thing to her, and he's very upset by it, but we'll get to that because it's like at the end of her first conversation with him this is a meat cute <laughs> and obviously one of the reasons they wanted to go through the huge precautions was to add suspense of how you know like make it creepier and add like a bunch of suspense like don't do this and that and blah blah, blah. like it's supposed to like build suspense it works you know I can see why this movie is what gained this whole franchise popularity. You know, like, this whole entire saga, like, got most popular because of this movie. I can see why, because they really do a good job of, like, filmmaking-wise, building tension and adding suspense. 
and the characters and the acting. Jodie Foster is amazing. Anyway, I'm watching this on a recorded from television and Miggs is like, I can smell your scent. That is not what he actually said. <laughs> that is edited for television. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this is edited for TV, but I know what he's, I know what everybody's saying anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it was Anthony Hawkins' idea to be standing in, like, the center of the room waiting on her. Um, I think Crawford did tell him he was going to have a visitor because they prepared for it, but, um, we see that in the end of Road Dragon, but... Um, him standing there waiting for her added to like the creepiness factor like she didn't know he was going to be just standing there like in the center of the room I think that was Anthony's idea there's trivia about that that I've read somewhere but okay I kind of like this I mean I like this whole conversation but like yeah he it goes into more detail about why he you know his memory palace and how he you know remembers things he has an identic memory so he he has a castle that he in his memory his memory palace is actually a castle and and a big house or whatever and he has different rooms and things and it goes into a lot more detail about that but he does drawings from memory of Florence Italy and you know if you know his backstory it kind of adds more flavor to this whole conversation but um you can tell he's really intelligent. He knows why they call him Buffalo Bill, blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody knows that when they're watching this. But what I like about um, Jodie Foster is she is, like, playing confidence, hiding terror. Like, she's terrified. Um, she is scared of him. and uh, But she gives him that questionnaire. And he, like, leans against the post and just, like, casually winks at her. And it's kind of like, it makes it feel like they're on the same team like he's he's being courteous to her you know which he's never rude but like you know he he's you know he he's helping her through this actually like it's like he's guiding her through this interview process she's a student he comments on that and all this stuff so yeah now why do you think That Lecter changed his mind about telling her anything. Miggs did a disgusting thing to her and he wanted her to come back. He said, it is ugly to me. Discourteousness is ugly to me and I won't have it. And so he kind of pities her. You know, uh, feels bad for her and uh, gives her some information about Miss Moffat. Which is like, (laughs) it sounds like a nursery realm, but it's not. But, uh. He's doing that for her because of Megs. He is not happy with that. Like I said, feminist. <laughs> Commercial break. We get a flashback of her father being a cop. And she kind of like cries about it. <laughs> and um, I mean, there's much more detail of that in the books. But um, her dad was a cop and she wants to become a cop too impress him even though he's gone he was killed by some bad guys and uh in the show Clarice they they just kind of changed up the backstory a bit but um that's what that's her whole purpose is she's trying to impress her father um they give her that backstory and um that's it I mean that's pretty obvious stuff that's not exactly new information um some things um Crawford calls to tell her Miggs has died because Lecter talked him into killing himself um he did that for her you know he was mad at him for what he did to her he did not just do that for himself like Crawford said I'm sorry he didn't um the whole Moffat thing she's talking about how Lecter destroyed all his patients records when he got caught, which is kind of cool of him in the way that he wa- he kind of wanted to protect their privacy. He had secrets in there, too, because he had talked several of the older pa- older of his patients into um, leaving him in their will. So he has access to their bank accounts. <laughs> like, they have given him money. Like, he talked, he brainwashed older patients into giving him money. Like, honestly. And, um, 
but he he did destroy all the files of his patients because for he said for their privacy um partially it's to cover up a lot of things for himself but you know he destroyed all of them and um the yourself thing Clarice figures that out it's not you know but anyway we're gonna uh, yourself storage in Baltimore. He he she want he, yeah she figured this out, and I think this is kind of like a test for her to see if she could figure it out. So she gets a jack out of her car and lifts up this like storage tour, and I kind of think it's funny the way she like laughs when she's laying there crawling under it. She's like, if this door falls on me or uh, <laughs> anything else, <laughs> it's like the way she laughs is just really adorable. She's so likable to me. She's brave as heck. She's crawling under that. Like, she gets cut with a rusty door. Like, <laughs> you're going through a lot here, girl. Like, she's, she's like, tough as nails. How big is this storage container? Like, there should be a car in here. Yeah. Like, is that the car? Yep. I mean, this is, like, the biggest storage container I've ever seen in my life. There's a whole freaking car in here, and it's, like, the back of the room, like, hidden behind all this other stuff. And it's, like, how big is this storage container? Like, this storage room is, like, giant. There's a head in a jar. Like, an actual head in a jar. Like, honestly. <laughs> it's actually grosser in the book, the way it's described, I think. A little bit more. She, obviously, they don't show her crawling out of there. She goes into... Barney lets her in. She's talking to Lecter again. <clears throat> so she's sitting on the floor talking to him and he sends out a towel. Because she's been out in the rain. And, uh, he just... She goes directly there, you know. And she's like, dude, you're the one that rented that storage space or whatever. And he doesn't deny it, because it's true. And, uh, then he tells her about Benjamin Raspell. We all know this. And, uh, but I just, huh, he's sitting there watching TV. And he's back in the dark. You can't even really see him. But, like, he gives her a towel. And then he's like, you're bleeding. <sighs> Stop. So he's, like, concerned with her bleeding. <laughs> like, she's like, it's just a scratch. Like, they're just kind of chilling like friends. Like, she wants... Uh, Buffalo Bill's case file too and uh he likes that kind of stuff we saw with him and Will like he's like you're the new Will only I'll like you better <laughs> okay and they're having this conversation <laughs> and he says Benjamin Raspell you know he didn't kill him somebody else did obviously he's talking about Buffalo Bill um and he's like, best thing for him really is therapy was going nowhere. I'm like, dude. And then he starts talking to Clarice about Jack Crawford. And he's like, do you think he wants you sexually? She's like, that doesn't interest me, Dr. Lecter. Uh, in fact, it sounds like the kind of thing Miggs would say. And he, he goes, not anymore. <laughs> Rude, but funny. I don't know why. I find this so funny. Like, a lot of this. Uh, I'm a weirdo. I don't know. And, of course, he knows who Buffalo Bill is. And then we see Catherine Martin. Um, Just a random tidbit of information about Anthony Hopkins, the girl who played Catherine Martin. Um, She wasn't famous. She never was in a movie after this that I know of. She wasn't famous at all. But her birthday fell on one of the days of shooting and she had to be down on a well on her birthday <laughs> but uh she was shooting this movie and her birthday happened to be one of the days she was on set and she got flowers for her birthday and she didn't know where they came from and then she read the card and they were from anthony hopkins and he was like happy birth you know he said happy birthday on the flowers he sent her hi he knew it was her birthday sent her flowers like this unknown girl, what a sweetheart he is in real life. Like, honestly, he is such a gem. But anyway. So realistic. They have uh, James Gump, you know, Buffalo Bill, trying to lift a freaking couch into his van. And she goes over to help him. because, And also, he's got a cast on his arm. They took that straight from Ted Bundy. 
that that's such a typical like oh I'm pathetic I'm weak and plus you know having a cast on is like makes people seem non-threatening so that's a tactic um another thing I was also gonna say is like Anthony Hopkins is the perfect person to play Hannibal Lecter he is the very most perfect person for that but like he does not physically look like he's described in the books at all so when people complain about and I'm not complaining about this but people complain like they'll read a book and then they'll make a movie adaption and they're like they don't look exactly like they look in the books and it's like acting has a lot more to do with somebody's personality and how they portray the character than how they physically look but one thing that does stand out to me is like he's got blue eyes Anthony has blue eyes and uh Hannibal in the books has maroon eyes and they're brown um but they look maroon sometimes I have a similar color eye to that (laughs) because people you know they're not just brown sometimes they look burgundy um so I don't know the idea of what they look like is very well known to me. When I was reading the book, I was like, oh, they're the same color as mine. I'm not happy about it, but <laughs> I'm not happy to have the same color eyes as him, but like, I like my own eye color. But anyway, yeah, they don't look, and um, he's supposed to be like sc- scrawnier and just looks non-threatening. I don't know. It's just a whole different. He does not look at all physically the way he's described in the books. Um Gaspard, maybe, but Gaspard is too attractive, honestly. But it doesn't matter. They all, I think everybody that's played him so far that I've seen, I haven't seen Manhunter is the only one, so Manhunter is the only one I haven't seen. So, so far, the rest of them, uh, Gaspard, Anthony, and Mads, I think they all do great. Um, but Anthony is the original. Like, even though Manhunter came out first, this is the original. You know, this is, Anthony is him, you know. <laughs> like, this is just the most him of all, you know. But anyway, that poor cat I saw this happen. How traumatic for the cat. <laughs> And also, I'm sorry for all the blank, like, spaces of me not talking, but, um, I have also come up with a way to end these, so, stay tuned for that. I tried forwarding through the commercials and got way past the commercials, and then I rewinded it, and now I'm having to set through commercials. There we go, here we go. Alright, better. Thank you. Clay County, West Virginia. That is not far from where I live, honestly. Like, honestly. Crazy. They go to this West Virginia place, you know, the funeral home in West Virginia, and all these men are staring at her lecherously, basically. And, uh, it's annoying as heck. And then she has a flashback to her dad's funeral, and then, um, when she was a little girl, and then, you know, they break her out of it. Now they're in this, like... (laughs) autopsy room thing and like it's so crowded with all these bumbling cops it's like get the freak out of here like honestly and whatever the way she handles this situation is perfect like she's so smart and doing that but <laughs> bravo Clarice is like she's not local cause she's got glitter fingernail polish and three piercings in her ears and it's like maybe she was just a little emo you know, maybe she just didn't fit in in her hometown. You don't know. <laughs> Crawford apologizes for taking that cu- sh- sheriff in the other room because she's a woman or whatever. He's like, this is a sex crime. We can't talk in front of a woman because it's involved this, blah, blah, blah. Crawford kind of apologizes and she's like, it matters though. Like, they look to you to see how to treat me. And I had to like, you know, regain their trust. <laughs> by pulling out the West Virginia native card. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. And then she takes the bug cocoon they found in that girl's throat to a bug expert. And he hits on her, too, because that's the theme of this movie, is Clarice gets hit hit on instead of respected by every man she encounters, except for Hannibal Lecter, and we're we're expected not to like him. But whatever. (laughs) The dust had moss eats nightshade? Like, that's poison. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, just saying, it's crazy. 
Uh, somebody would have had to raise it, blah, blah, blah. We all know this stuff. <laughs> and then they show us Buffalo Bill's basement with the well and blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of people talk about this movie as one of the movies that's, like, uh, bad representation for trans people. Buffalo Bill is not trans. Um... I think in this movie, as far as I can remember, Hannibal says it. Like, he's not actually transsexual, he just believes he is, because he's got psychological problems, but... Um, they go into a lot more detail about how trans he is not in the book. Like, in the book, they make it very, very extra clear that Buffalo Bill is not trans. Ardelia looks... She is so gorgeous. Ardelia's in this, and... Uh, we get to know her a lot better in the books, too. <laughs> but, of course, that's not a complaint. It's just that, like, I mean, I like Ordelia, but, like, I'm not complaining that this isn't enough like the books. I'm, because it's understandable, because movies have a certain flow to keep, a certain pacing to keep. And they can't go into too much detail about stuff because it messes with the pacing and the flow of the movie. I understand that. I'm just saying, like, if you want to know more, <laughs> you can read the books. <laughs> He says quid pro quo. Yep. <laughs> he says quid pro quo. And uh, it just reminds me of that time in in American politics recently where people had no idea what that meant. And I'm like, y'all haven't seen Silence of the Lambs? Like, honestly. Um, This is where he starts asking her for personal information. Um, She offers him a deal with the senator because Catherine is the senator's daughter, you know. Um... A transfer and well, even time outside once once a year for a week at a beach. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, that sounds pretty nice. Like, <laughs> I don't know why he's, like, not happy about it. But um, we're at an hour and five minutes almost. I think I'm going to go to an hour 15 and then do the rest tomorrow. And, um, of course, it'll just, it'll be the same recording. And it'll be the same podcast episode. But, um... Yeah, this conversation is the big one, really. I mean, it's it's where they talk about her past and stuff. Um, uh, she's starting to get more comfortable with him. She's acting a little desperate for information. And, uh, you know, he knows that. So what he really wants is personal information about her. Because he's, you know, like that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, so he explains, he mentions, uh, Buffalo Bill might have went to Johns Hopkins, and I'm like, ooh, that's where you went to school. He doesn't talk about that, but, (laughs) um, then he says he's not a transsexual, he's, uh, pathology is from years of systematic abuse. And he hates his own identity, and that's why he thinks he's a transsexual, but he's not. And that's why he got rejected for reassignment surgeries everywhere he went, because they knew he wasn't a real transsexual, and he had the wrong reasons for wanting the change. So, you know. Um, And then in the books, we see, um, I think it's Clarice, go talk about this with the doctors, and or something rather... And the doctors there are like, don't even bring us up into this because of the stigma, you know, surrounding this. Because transsexuals are usually passive and not violent. Um, Statistically, you know, whether you, you know, agree with that or not, you can't disagree with facts. (laughs) They're not violent people. Um, So... Statistically they're not (laughs) so Catherine is begging him to let her go Buffalo Bill but uh, she's crying and upset and all this and he starts to cry because he feels sorry for her he you know so you know he he doesn't want to see her as a person that's why he calls her an it it puts the lotion on its skin it's he, he cannot see them as people or else he will not be able to do it. Um, there's humanity in there, 
um, her crying makes him want to cry, and uh, he gets upset by that because she he doesn't kill to kill; he kills because he wants the skin. So, yeah, he doesn't necessarily hate them. He feels bad for them, even though you know it's, it's pathological. It's it's not exactly logical. It's not exactly makes sense, but it you know it does to them. <laughs> Barney looks annoyed at Chilton. Um, oh, you stupid idiot. Chilton called Senator Martin and said, you know, told Hannibal, like, there was never, there never was a deal with Senator Martin with Clarice, but now there is, through me only, you know, and like, he's just, just such a jerk. And he's an idiot, too, because he leaves a pen in there. He's just chilling out on the bed, like, being the jerk that he is. And it's like, this is your fault. He pretends like he's taking the deal with Chilton. He tells him his name is Lewis Friend, which is an anagram of uh, a type of mineral that's fool's gold. And Clarice figures that out by herself. And Chilton's dumb. He's just so dumb. I mean, we all seen this scene. I don't need to describe all of it. Paul Krindler makes his appearance. He's taking over in Memphis for the whole situation. We all know how much he sucks. Uh, so yeah, that's annoying. Chilton can't find his pen because, dun-dun-dun, he left it in Lecter's cell. And he somehow got a hold of it. So, yeah. Um... <laughs> Who knows where he stuck that to hide it. <laughs> but, yeah. Here he is meeting with the senator, telling her Buffalo Bill's last name. Lu- he already told Chilton his first name is Lewis, and then he's going to tell her it's Lewis' friend. And then he's going to ask her some personal questions to try and upset her because he's just like that, you know. Like I said, I don't have to explain the scenes. We all know what happens, but here he is in his, like, suit in the orange jumpsuit and uh, the face mask. He's being rude. And they put him for away in the courthouse. For a minute, he, for the time being, they put him away in the courthouse. Chilton is taking all the credit. Oh, this is so ridiculous. Chilton is trying to get all this attention and he's just doing it for clout. And of course, Uh, Clarice is sneaking in there, you know, trying to. Um, it's been a, over an hour and 15 minutes. This on here is two hours and 30 minutes, so I'm gonna cut this in half right now and, um, continue it tomorrow. Um, which y'all, like I said, won't notice. <laughs> Because I'll just put it all in one podcast. Um, so I'll continue this tomorrow because I'm out of e-juice and uh, coffee. And um, we're getting to the more exciting parts of this. So um, I wish I could finish it today. But I have other things to get done. Um, and uh, that's it for now. Of course, like I said, this is just going to continue, so it it doesn't actually matter if you know that or not. (laughs) It's just going to be my thing. Um, Hello everyone again. (laughs) I decided to uh, finish it today, because why not? I got my supplies that I needed. (laughs) I got some chocolate. A coffee to keep me going through this process. <laughs> like that's what I need. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just more enjoyable, you know what I mean? With coffee and some, you know, I'm still addicted to nicotine because I vape, but I use vaping to quit smoking, and uh, that's what that's about. September 1st right now while I'm recording this 
and uh, I have pumpkin spice latte creamer from Starbucks that you buy in like the actual grocery stores and it tastes so much like an actual pumpkin spice latte ouch <laughs> my glasses pulled my hair out of my head anyway uh, I'm gonna grab some supplies and continue my watch Clarice sneaks in to see him at this courthouse and somebody on the elevator is like, is it true that he's a vampire? And I'm like, he is a count. <laughs> Louis Friend, also known as Iron Saltfad. Um, so, <laughs> she comes in and he's like, oh, you lied to me. And she's like, yeah, we did. Yeah, Anthrax Allen. He's like, was that your idea? And she was like, yeah. He's like, did Jack Crawford send you? And she's like, no, I wanted to come. And he's like, People will say we're in love. <laughs> oh man. I don't know why he cracks me up, but he always does. And one morning I just ran away. Not just Clarice. What's that you Oh here's where they talk about the ranch and the lambs. But um He's wanting her to tell him now because he knows he's not gonna see her again because he's escaping. She's like, later. And he's like, no, Start now. I'm not going to be here later. <laughs> I got to go. I have travel plans, dude. My stupid TV keeps freezing up. So that sucks. But they're talking about the screaming lambs and how she wanted to silence them. Um, so the title of this movie is a metaphor. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, it is literal. I mean, you know. She has this literal story, but this literal story is a metaphor for what she wants to do, who she is, you know, and how she wants to live her life. And he's like, you're still trying to silence those lambs. Catherine's a lamb, you know, etc. Instead of running away from the screaming, she tried to free them. He sees this, I mean, this says a lot about her character, obviously, so... That's all obvious crap. <laughs> you know. That's what this whole movie is. A metaphor for her. You know. This, this, the title of the movie is a metaphor for Clarice. This character. Whatever. What she's trying to do. Uh, yeah, it's freezing up. So I'm trying to feel this silence. Which is ironic, I guess. <laughs> he hands her... The case file and uh you know touches her finger which is a little creepy unless you ship them <laughs> and then it's romantic <laughs> I don't ship them but you know I'm not like super grossed out by it um he does a nice thing for her he was planning on telling her stuff that he was going to tell her all along because he put it in the case file already um, and he handed it to her, and she knows, you know, obviously, he put some information in there. He was planning on telling her all along. Um, he wants her to be the one to find it, find out, you know, and save. He's doing this for her, you know, so. That's, he wants her to be advanced in the FBI. He wants her to get what she wants um he wants to help her silence the lambs and he wants to help her um be good have a good position in the fbi and stuff because he wants to help her just flat out for one reason is because she's a woman um he knows that she needs it you know that she doesn't have the privileges that like chilton is trying to get like he knows the motivation behind Shelton's, like, wanting to find out who has Catherine. And it's all him wanting, like, glory and, sh like, clout for himself. And Clarice just wants to help, you know, she wants to save her life, you know, for, for altruistic reasons. And, um, Lecter's the one that wants it to be Clarice. <sighs> so she can, uh have a leg up in her career so he is battling the patriarchy at this moment <laughs> I mean honestly he is like that's kind of what he's doing and, and what he's mad about you know he he 
you know, I'm just saying, like, he really likes to askew society's rules, even, like, I mean, ones that are immoral, which is bad, but, uh, you know, if society's rules are immoral, sometimes it's good to askew those rules, you know, so anything he can do to, like, but he's also, like, he he likes to be polite, but, um, he does not like patriarchy and misogyny. He doesn't like it. Uh, you can't argue with that. <laughs> so, that's part of this. Um, they have that little conversation. I'm probably not gonna say much about the next parts, except for, like, how smart he is, because he takes a piece of that pen, he does all that stuff, he... They bring him his dinner, and he, like, uncuffs himself and escapes by biting a face of that guy, and then uses one guy's face to cover his own face, and they think it's the cop, so they... I mean, it's a really smart move, you know? It's all very smart, um, but we all know he's smart. It's not a surprise, <laughs> um, but this just shows how clever he is, because he, you know, they think that you know, he's escaped, but really they carried him out on a stretcher <laughs> themselves, so that's how that worked. And it was very smart of him. Um, yeah, that's that for all that information. I might pop back up and say some more about that scene when it comes up, because now I'm muted the commercials, and, um, Kevin Kniff himself was one of the commercials, and everybody should watch that. <laughs> His drawing of Clarice holding the lamb is actually really pretty, like, it's kind of sweet. Oh yeah, that is where he put that pen, because now he's using the bathroom. That's gross, but whatever. You gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. I was wrong. Wait, he did not put the pen there. I don't... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, uh... He has the pen piece up in his uh, cheek. I don't know why I forgot about that, but yeah, he has it. He's had it in his mouth this whole time. Freaking weird. He asks them to mind the drawings, not set food on it, and he listens. I'm like, these cops are nice. You need to like be nicer to them. Oh, he cuffed him to the. Yep, this is bad. These are two killings of innocent people that were nice to him. That it's rare for him, but he needed to, to escape. That's the only reason, so. Um, it sucks, though, because those guys were actually nice. He had the elevator stop on three on purpose. Um, he wants to... All of this is just him, like, giving them the runaround, basically. I don't know. To me, it looks obvious that that's Lecter laying there. It looks like Lecter. <laughs> so it's like, are y'all, what are y'all doing? Like, are y'all serious right now? Like, you don't, you don't realize that's him. Like, it looks like him to me. I mean, that other guy kind of does look like him anyway. So it's like, well, maybe. The way he acts, like he's in mo much more like physical distress on purpose to get them to hurry. <laughs> because Tom is a factor. He wants them to get him out of there quickly so that, you know, they don't catch on. They think that he's on the roof of the elevator. And there's another commercial we're going to have to forward through because we can. <laughs> we're almost at two hours. He has switched clothes with one of the police officers. Uh, yeah. Clarice is talking about Hannibal because... Ardelia comes and tells her about him escaping and she's like he won't come after me and she's like how do you know and she's like I can't explain it but I know he wouldn't he would consider that rude <laughs> she's not wrong Ardelia needs like some of the credit for this because she's the one that talked about how the patterns of the places where he picked up the girls were random too random almost as if they're purposely random and then he waited down the first girl because he wanted her to be found last. Because he didn't want people focusing on her, you know, because he knew her personally. So Ardelia deserves a lot of the credit for this. Just saying. 
There's a random, like, yard ornament, and one of them is this totally racist depiction of a Native American, like, wind thing. It's like, what even is that? Why does that even exist? What is that even supposed to be? Like, what in the world? <laughs> Whatever. She's in Belvedere, Ohio. Somebody I know has that exact wallpaper. Has had that exact wallpaper at one point. Uh, with the Upstairs. leaves on it, randomly. Wow. I can't remember where I've seen that, but somebody I know has had that somewhere. Very strange. Um, she goes and looks at her house and blah blah blah. Because she knows he's one of her, somebody that she knew. And again, the book had a lot more detail about this. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know this. You know the story. You know the script and that. Another commercial break and another commercial about Kevin Knuff himself, which is such a great show. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we're waiting for the commercials to go off. And Clarice is looking around that girl's room. She sees that that girl was into sewing. So she goes and investigates. I don't know if I missed it while forwarding through a commercial. When is the scene where Catherine tries to kidnap Precious <laughs> and hold her for ransom to try to get out of there? Uh, it might be coming up soon. Um, probably will be, unless they cut it out. Because they cut out some scenes for television, you know, because they're, like, too gruesome or something. But whatever. Um, you know, how Clarice figures it out as she sees... The pattern for sewing, you know, one of the sewing patterns matches the um, pieces of skin cut off of other people. So some of the girls, were they had sewing patterns literally like cut out of them <laughs> in the shape of sewing patterns. So yeah, that's how she figured that out. Okay, here it is when Catherine gets precious with the bone and the bucket it works and I'm like she better not freaking hurt that dog but what a cute dog honestly Precious deserves better than this all of this um, and this is the part where Buffalo Bill does that little dance and it's like I keep thinking about how they let Robbie Sh Robbie Shapiro I think is his name Robbie from Victorious do this exact scene and it's like seriously this is a kids show I mean not this but Victorious was and it's like how did they really do that just literally like Mrs. Lippman like she's just going to see Mrs. Lippman and happens upon this house like how crazy is that oh don't do that what are you doing like crazy stuff and of course, they go to Chicago, and it's the wrong place. <laughs> Sorry for the loudness, but this fake out is amazing filmmaking. Like, it's just freaking amazing. Imagine the first time watching this, and like they're ringing the bell, and the f they're bringing the flowers, and he he's get, he's getting the doorbell rung where he's at, and and then like when he goes to the door he opens it and there's freaking Clarice it's like what a fake out what an awesome fake out what great filmmaking like it's actually brilliant like I mean it's simple and it's like of course they did that but like at the same time imagine the first time seeing it like the first time seeing it it's like what an actual like fake out and they bust in yeah let's I've rewound it or forwarded through commercials in it this is probably one of the last commercial breaks, but this is exciting. It's just, it's a really good fake out. Like, I'm just saying, it's just really awesome. His, like, public persona that he puts on with Clarice is actually, like, so much different than his actual personality. That it's just, like, you know? You know? I just don't know, man. That's where he's at. She sees the bug and she knows it's him. Like, totally. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The gun that was on this stove is gone now, so he took it downstairs with him, obviously. He, like, ducked out of there. <laughs> this house is a freaking mess. Like, freaking disaster of a mess. Her hair looks really good in this movie. And, like, what kind of freaking basement is this? It's a freaking labyrinth of everything. Like, 
It's like the maze, an actual freaking maze of terror. It's like craziness. She's like, Catherine Martin, this is the FBI, you're safe. And she's like, safe? Are you out of your mind? Get me out of here. I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe it yet. I don't blame her. Funny as heck. And I know I'm not talking much about, like, Hannibal himself, but he's not in this very much. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this sh- movie is a very good, good at suspense. Um, she's in the basement. It's, like, a freaking maze. There's too many rooms leading to other rooms, and there's several doors to each room, and it's all a big mess, and it's hard, uh, you know, to find anybody down there. And, he, of course, he knows the layout, so, of course, he's going to turn off the lights. <laughs> And he has the home court advantage. <laughs> but um, Catherine's cracking me up. She's like, where is he, Catherine? Catherine's like, how the age should I know? <laughs> She's such... I like this girl. She's sarcastic. It's great. She's so... Uh... <laughs> how the heck could I... Like, honestly, how would she know? She's just being totally honest. It's beautiful. It's such great dialogue. Bravo to the people who made that dialogue happen. What beautiful filmmaking. They put her in the dark, but then put night vision goggles on him, but then he's watching her with his night vision goggles, and she... It's just... It's so... What great filmmaking this is, honestly. Bravo. That's amazing. That's amazing. He's watching her that whole time in the dark, and he can't help but, like, want to touch her hair and face. And then when he pulls back the safety, it clicks. She immediately hears it and just immediately turns around and starts shooting it exactly where he's at. She's she's so great. She's so great. And, uh, yeah, she's great. Catherine takes Precious with her when she leaves. She's, like, holding Precious. It's not the dog's fault, and she probably feels bad for, like, having to almost hurt a dog, you know, because she normally wouldn't do that, but... You know, desperate times. The actress they got to play Ordelia in this is so beautiful. <laughs> like, honestly, I love her. She has a phone call, and they kind of make it seem like uh, Jack and her have this, like, romantic type of almost, like, feelings for each other. The book is totally different. He has a wife. His wife is sick. They kind of, if you've seen the series, you know that the book follows that path more. Um, with Jack Crawford's wife being a thing, and he's he's got things going on in his personal life. He is not attracted to Clarice. He feels fatherly towards her. I mean, like, I don't know, you know. But this is kind of weird. But then she gets a phone call, and I love this part. It's very interesting. Even at this point, she's still calling him Dr. Lecter. Of course he's, you know out in the world dressed up like an Australian businessman (laughs) Uh, which is kind of funny but uh, he's like I'm having an old friend for dinner he's obviously talking about Chilton Um, there I mean Chilton's it's whatever you know we obviously know we're probably not going to see him anymore Uh, in the book he doesn't call her that would be too risky actually but they wanted to give Anthony this line readings, you know, probably. So, um, he calls her and it's more creepy, you know, with him calling her, but in the books he sent her a letter and said the same thing. He's like, I won't call on you. The world is a better place with you in it. And I'm like, that is so romantic. (laughs) I mean, it's not romantic. I don't ship them necessarily, but, um, it is like, that is a nice thing to say to somebody. <laughs> the world is a better place with you in it. I'm not going to kill you. You know, it's like, well, as far as he goes, that's one of the nicest things he's ever said to somebody um, in his older years. Okay, so that was it. That was my commentary. Um, like I said, I think I've covered a lot of things so far. Oh, there's my paint for my porch. Has, what? Well, I'm going to have to do that. Um, anyway, um, I have watched Stranger Things. I've been watching Stranger Things with my parents. 
uh, rewatching it. I have a lot to talk about with that, but I'm not gonna do that right now. I'm gonna wait. Um, I gotta watch Cruel Summer, like I promised. <laughs> and, uh, do an episode-by-episode episode thing for that. And obviously, you know, Hannibal, the sh- movie. The finale of this series of podcasting. Unless later I might watch Manhunter, but it's not gonna be soon. Um, I might just watch it. I don't think I'll like it. I don't have high expectations. Um, but I might just watch it just to say, oh yeah. Just to be able to say, like, everything Hannibal related. I've seen it. I've read it. Because <laughs> I've watched the show Clarice, the show Hannibal, all the movies. You know, read all the books. <laughs> There's nothing I've missed. Um, I like being thorough like that. I'm just weird like that. Trying to read through all of Stephen King's books, too. And then, also, I might try to watch all the adaptions of everything. Which would be a hard task as well. Um... I even told him on Twitter, I'm like, I'm trying to, like, read through all your books, so could you slow down, like, honestly? Because <laughs> he's put out, like, two this year, I think. It's like, seriously, dude, <laughs> slow down. I'm trying to catch up. He's got over 70 books out, so that's, like, a freaking lot. But anyway, um, I've up to 23. I've read 23 so far, and that even includes ones I read as a child. I'm like, I thought I read more than this. It seems like I read more than this, but... I guess 23 is a lot for one author, um, for me having read all of them. Um, but anyway, uh, and that's mixed in with, you know, other stuff. Um, I have a lot of books that I need to read. Um, I'm on one of the last, one of the most recent of the Twisted Tales Disney. It's Reflection. I don't know why I wanted to read all these, but I did. Um, I found really cheap, um, just because I saw them out and they were, like, cheap. I got, uh, Lord of the Flaws, Great Expectations, and Peter Pan. It's like, Lord of the Flaws and Peter Pan, those are basically the same book. Um, (laughs) no, there's a very good quote in one of Gregory Maguire's books. The one that's, uh, it's called Lost. It's about, um, one of the descendants of Ebenezer Scrooge. And in it, she says something to the effect of how quickly Neverland turns to Lord of the Flies. And I'm like, ooh, that's a good line. And it's also correct. But also it's like, you know, Neverland kind of already is Lord of the Flies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take much because it's not fun. To... But whatever. That's a bunch of opinions about that. Um, <laughs> and also lost the show. And it's convenient. That the... But yeah. Anyway. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's it. Like I said, eventually I'll probably do a Stranger Things episode by episode. It's going to be hard to do an episode by episode because it's hard to watch one episode at a time. (laughs) But I'll try. And, uh, I got some other things to watch, you know. And like I said, I'm going to do the, after I get done with Hannibal. So next I got to do Hannibal. I'll probably do it commentary like this since I've covered a lot of the subject I want to cover in the previous ones but um yeah so uh I've been doing a live reading on my Facebook author page Rainfielder author it's the author page not my personal page I've been doing live readings of one of my books the first one and then I'm gonna do some more so if you want to check that out you can go there and look at that um, follow me on there. That would be great. Um, Rainfielder author. Um, it's the author page. It's got my logo as my profile picture and not a picture of me. That's that's how you'll know. It's my author page. <laughs> it's an official page. It's not, it's not a personal Facebook. Um, oh, somebody's sending me a message on it actually right now. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> So sorry I can't have the music, but I want this to be available on Apple, and I can't use Spotify music on Apple. I made some Spotify playlists for my um, books, several of my books. I started a fan fiction um, for The Crow. It's called Morning Dove. Um, that's, you know, I posted the link to that in my on my uh, author page. And I posted the links to all my Spotify playlists on my author page as well. Um, 
I post, I try to post everything on there and also my link tree. I haven't got my playlist on my link tree yet, but I'll need to do that. <laughs> um, I try to keep my link tree up to date. And uh, what else? I don't think I did. Maybe I did, but I, I got to make sure I, I will. I will do that. Um, <laughs> will, like Will Grimm. <laughs> Um, anyway, I wanted to do a commentary on this, like I said, I did a lot of the things already, and, um, I did come up with a way to end these, finally, and so, (laughs) I will see you guys later, and remember, you're starting, that sounds like something Migs would say, not anymore. (laughs)